You are listening to ACPN. Welcome to Rewind Cinema, the show where two friendly guys go back in time, pick some movies and talk about them, and you know, sometimes we sound vaguely educated, sometimes we don't, we just kind of play it by ear. I'm Matt, the normal person to listen to, so I don't know where I was going with that. And then, and sitting across from me is... Gabe, uh, my name's Gabe, Gabe Whitehurst, in case you're wondering. Gabe, Gabe Whitehurst. Yeah, that's how I... (laughs) That, that was the original James Bond name, but they're like, eh. I challenge you to introduce yourself that way to everyone you meet for a whole week. <laughs> My name is James. James Morris. Oh, yeah, because your real name is James. It or is. You're, or you're, not that Matt is your fake name. Yeah. You know, I get that a lot. I get, because my name is James Matthew, and people are like, why, why is your name Matt? And honestly, I don't know other than my parents just always called me Matt. Oh, I assumed you made the choice. No, I didn't make the choice. Oh, okay. Uh... I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't make the choice, Mom. You can let me know. <laughs> but I think you guys just always called me Matt. I think at one point, actually, in, in elementary school, I tried to go by James. Huh. I don't know why I did that. It's a weird choice to name your child something and then not use that name. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> um, Mrs. Morris, can we talk about your choices? Let's have her on the show. See what she says. We should, yeah. yeah. I mean, she could call in if yeah. she wanted to. And let's do a whole episode devoted to your name. Mm. We'll review your name. A six-part miniseries, I think, might, <laughs> two, might do it well. Two hours each. <laughs> it'll be just like hardcore history, but it'll be your name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that would definitely sell podcast tickets. Yeah, yeah. Tour with that. Um, yeah, so before we get into our movie today, um, we do have another voicemail. Oh, really? Um, yeah. No, I, I no I, idea who it could be from. I haven't listened. I haven't listened. Again, I have my suspicions, but... No, uh, I, I, I never have suspicions. I just, <laughs> I want to... Let's just take it as it comes. Like, hit me with it. Let's well, go. Well, let's check in on Dan. I mean, listen to the voicemail. Hey, guys. It's, uh, it's Dan. Um, well, you're back. Like, that's... Um, I mean, I know y'all announced that, but part of me didn't actually believe it was going to happen, so... Uh, just listen to the first episode, uh, Mall Rats. M- Mall Rats, um, and wow, you guys really, uh, really did a number on that one. Good, good, good work. Thank you for, for working so hard at watching movies. And, uh, um, it's time for Dan's weekly review of an impression. On Rewind Cinema, and um, for Matt's Matt's impression of Silent Bob, I give a ten out of ten. I give a ten out of ten. It was exactly how Silent Bob sounds, one hundred percent. And part of me wishes Matt would just do that impression all the time. So, keep up the good work, guys. 
<laughs> Man, I really think he does not like you very much. Yeah, uh, part of me just wishes he would just talk about his three-month-old movies and quit talking about me. <laughs> no, Dan, Dan, if you're listening, don't ever stop critiquing Matt. Critique <clears throat> him in as many ways as you can imagine, as many ways as you can think, because it really it brings me a lot of happiness. You and everyone else. Yeah. Get in line, bud. <laughs> Thanks again, Dan. It's, uh, it's good to hear from you. Um, I wonder what he was eating this week while he called. <sighs> Subway. Oh, that's that's know. good. I was gonna say Jack in the Box, but Subway is a little bit lower than yeah, that. You yeah, yeah. I mean? Oh, Jack in the Box is good, except for it killed all those people that one time. Oh yeah, that's Remember right. That? The, the Mad Cow. Whew. I can't believe they bounced back from that. That's actually amazing. It was the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gabe, have you been watching anything recently? Um, I've seen some few movie, a few movies in theaters. I don't know if you. Man, able to catch I've, anything. I've really struggled to get to the theater the last two, three weeks. I, I generally uh, go after work, mm. and it's just been kind of tough. And then the weekends have been full, so I have not been able to go. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I've been watching Daredevil on Netflix, which is very good Ooh. this season. Came back. Okay. Vincent D'Onofrio is just killing it. Is it as good as the Ben Affleck Daredevil? <laughs> That's my question. Nothing is as good <laughs> as the Ben Affleck Daredevil or the uh, Jennifer Garner Electra. Oh boy, I never saw that. Uh, yeah, it's good. I've, it's it's good this season. It's uh, a lot of a lot of crises going on in mm-hmm. in in Matt's life. Uh, mm-hmm. The main character is Matt Murdock. Y- yeah, um, of course. Not, not you. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there's problems there too. Yeah, there are. But I, that that's it. I honestly, I a few a TV show here and there, and then movies for this show. But mm-hmm. I I need to get back to the theater. I don't yeah, remember man. the last movie I saw in theaters. Was it with you? Ooh, yeah, we saw something together. First man. First man. I think yeah. that was the last one I saw. But wow. I do have a, a bone to pick with you. Um, uh, you haven't been inviting me okay. uh, to the movies. So I just <laughs> wanted to talk about publicly, that. I'm going to call you out too. <laughs> I did invite you and you said that you couldn't go. And then I saw two other movies. Yeah. Well, I couldn't go to the one. And then you didn't tell me about the other ones. Well, well, I mean, you're, it's okay. I, I'm kidding. Because I, I did have to watch our movies this week. And yeah. again, it was busy pre-Thanksgiving. But tell me what you've been watching. Yeah, let's go into Matt's movie corner really quickly. Um, <laughs> a new segment that I'm instituting right now. Give us some music. Underscore it with uh, in post. Do do do. No, 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 oh. now. Give me some actual music in post. I want to okay. hear this underscored with music. Okay, okay. I'll find something. I'll find something. The Mario theme, maybe. I don't know. I like it. I want to pay for that. Uh, so I saw Widows, and uh, I'll just give a quick rundown of all of these. I thought it was an excellent film. I wasn't expecting too much other than I knew it was Steve McQueen, uh, which of course is a, a great director. And so I went in kind of blind and I ended up really enjoying it. it. I mean, it's in very many ways a stereotypical heist film just with women, which is cool because it's not really something you see other than there was that kind of latest stab at it with um, Oceans. Oh, Oceans 8? Was it 8? Yeah. I don't know, some number. Oceans whatever. Oceans failure, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, I didn't see it. It did well at the box office. I don't think it was critically received very well. This has had a very good early buzz and I'm, you know, I go along with it. I think that in the middle it kind of sags a bit. It has the troubles that a lot of movies have where it hits the midpoint and then it just kind of deaccelerates too much and it tries to pull together all these story elements that they're trying to make into these twists and and it just sometimes didn't really work for me and didn't always keep me interested but performances from top to bottom are all excellent um you know i was pretty much invested all the way through except for you know the midpoint pretty much um i'd I'd recommend that i'd say go see that do you agree that it's groundbreaking because of 
I read a review that said it was a groundbreaking heist film, and I, that's a little over dramatic for me. Uh, is it because it's women as the the main stars here? What's the what's the? Catch? I guess I don't know. I would have to see the review to speak intelligently about that, um, or maybe not intelligently. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily groundbreaking, other than the fact that it's women in these roles, and there is a big theme of them kind of taking back their own autonomy, taking control of their lives. Yeah. Which I guess maybe you could make that point. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, I think you're making too big of a deal of it if you are saying that. But overall, excellent film. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is it is female-focused, which it, is, it, I think, great. Isn't Michelle Rodriguez in that movie? She is in it. She Man. is in it. And she's actually not bad. I think she normally falls back into that tough girl yeah. exterior, which she certainly has in this movie. But there's a little bit more depth to her, and you certainly feel for her. And she, well, I think she does well in this. I mean, she's no stranger to heist movies with uh, all the <laughs> uh, Fast, Fast and, and Furious, Furious films. films yeah. So I was just going to make sure I threw that out there. She no, was... no. She's good. She's good in this. All right, cool. Um, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Which it's pronounced Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, sorry. Bo- I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, um, and I wasn't really that into it, to be honest with you. I people have been buzzing about the idea that it doesn't necessarily go deep into his personal life. Which yeah. after seeing it, I don't necessarily agree with. I do think it goes some dark places in his life and does explore those things, but. I felt like it was three movies kind of competing in the same film. Queen becoming a band, and then Freddie Mercury's kind of own personal life. Right. And then also his intensely strange relationship with his soulmate, basically the woman who he was supposed to marry and didn't right. end up marrying. Right, right. Um, and so it just becomes a little convoluted. The emotional stakes weren't there at all until like an hour and a half in. Was it just like a jukebox movie? Pretty much, up until that point. Yeah, yeah. it was just... I mean, it was fun and interesting, I guess, but I I needed something more, and I didn't really get that until late in the film. And it's all lip-syncing too, right? They, there's no original singing in it. He's he's singing Freddie, or I'm sorry, Freddie Mercury is the one singing. I don't know exactly how it worked. It's obviously lip syncing because yeah, it, it, he didn't sing. Rami yeah, Malek. I, I would sing. imagine that it's probably recordings that they had, and they because um, there are definitely some nuances to the way that the voice is done where it makes it sound like it's live. So I feel like maybe they pulled live recording. Right, right. But right. I haven't done enough research into that. Right. Um, but Rami Malek was incredible. Cool. Um, and the performances all across the board were great. And technically, it was amazing. They did the Live Aid concert at the end of the movie. Yeah. And that was amazing. I heard they do a lot of it, too. Yeah. Almost they, too much. Like, it was like try, 15 minutes. Trying to shove songs in there, maybe, a yeah. little bit. I mean, they kind of burned through the hits. Even though watching the movie, I was like, man, Queen has like 15 hits. Yeah. Like, are you saying you know. are, are you saying that that like that's a lot or that's not a lot? That's for, a lot. Okay, right. Like even if you think about the Beatles, I feel like they don't have as many songs that are as in the cultural zeitgeist as even Queen does. I don't know about that. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I think that more people know more Queen songs than Beatles songs. Wow. I do want to say that. I'm gonna. We need to somebody mark <laughs> that right now and then and then come over here and everyone's gonna murder you later. <laughs> uh, just be careful because the Beatles yeah. have a lot. Oh, they do. If you count, I'm not discounting the Beatles. I'm counting Queen. Because the Beatles had two albums called Number One. Yeah. With like all number one. The Beatles are huge. Yeah. But I think as far as songs that everyone knows, I think more people have at least 
heard or know more Queen songs. I think the, the way that we judge if a song is popular or not is if you make it in the end of a Mighty Ducks film, <laughs> which is what happened in Mighty Ducks 2. Was they, there a Beatles song? No, no. It was a Queen song. They oh. gather around, they sing We Are the Champions around a campfire. Oh, okay. It's very emotional. Yeah, I mean, and everyone the, And the credits the roll, and it's wonderful. What so. is the Beatles' We Are the Champions? Hey, Jude. <laughs> Everyone sings along to uh, it. Yeah, yeah. All you need is love. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, overall, just an okay film. I, I'd say probably go see it. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, it's probably not going to be in theaters anymore. It yeah, might. I don't maybe. know. There's still like six showings at the theater I want to, so it could be. Um, I saw Overlord uh, very quickly. Just kind of a B movie, grindhousey kind of pulp action film um, that I actually ended up really liking, and that's not really up my alley, um, but. I don't know. There was just something about the way that they executed it. All the violence was done very well, very tastefully. Cool. Um, and people are saying there isn't enough of a villain. The Nazis are the ultimate villain. Like, what more do you need? I don't understand. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I'd like to see it. Did you get the text I sent you about the movie coming out called Nazi Overlord? Yes, this feeds <laughs> into your theory that there are two types of every movie that come out at the same time. Just I Well, I realized... So I had this theory, and it's very true, and it's not a theory. I just like an idiot didn't realize it but it's just they're just capitalizing on yeah one movie it's yeah. just for all for money yeah they're hoping that maybe somebody will see overlord and think oh i need to go see that one yeah and it's the wrong one right <laughs> yeah but so, i don't even know if the one you sent me had a theatrical release i, I have no idea it, it just yeah. it's just hilarious it happens all the time and it drives me crazy crazy and it's always triple c actors and just you know <laughs> triple c triple wow. c yeah that's a new rating i just came up with right now <laughs> kind of like it all right, um, so that's all I've been watching. I think we can go ahead and get into a review now. Uh, it's been about 10 minutes. Yeah, we're so, good. We're yeah. fine. All right, um, so we're going to talk about a film that I had no idea existed until we started doing research for what we wanted to pull this year, and I'm very happy that I decided to go ahead and pull this one up. Yeah. Um, it's called To Die For. Hi, my name is Suzanne Moretto. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Suzanne Moretto is my married name. My own name is Suzanne Stone. That's my professional name. Suzanne Stone. It's not like I have any negative feelings about the name Moretto. Moretto is the name, after all, of my husband, who I loved very, very It's also the name of his parents, Joe and Angela Moretto, and of his lovely and talented sister, Janice Moretto, who have been like a second family to me, and who I regard as I do my own family, particularly since my recent tragedy, and who just through knowing and being related to them have given me what I think is a very precious and valuable insight into the different kinds of ethnic relationships that are part of the very things that I've been trying to explore as a member of the professional media. Yeah, um, I've been asking you, you know, why you picked the certain movies you did. I picked this one because I saw Nicole Kidman, Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. Oh, yeah. Casey Affleck, Yep, you know Matt Dillon is in this, who was a big star at the time. Wayne Knight is in it for like fifteen minutes. Yep, and it's I was just like, it's stacked, and, and it has an amazing uh, meta score. It's like an eighty-five or something like that. It's really high. So yeah, I, was like, 
I've never heard of it. Just want to check it out. And again, I'm so happy that I did. Gus Van Sant. Gus, Gus Van Sant is the director. Sant. 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 Gus Van Sant. I knew about this movie, but I've never watched it. And the, I'll tell you why. I, I hope a listener can identify with this. The reason I know about this movie is because I saw the cover growing up in Blockbuster uh, every time. And I thought it was like this steamy erotic romance murder film and i had no I idea mean, i kind of is kind of is in, in a way but the cover is very misleading yeah it's like nicole kidman kind of pulling down a blouse yeah. a little bit looks like she's in like lingerie or something but i yeah i'm glad you picked it because i saw it and i didn't pick it because yeah. i was like i don't really know what that is but uh, it, it, it paid off yeah spoiler alert i really liked it but we'll, we'll get into that obviously um director as we said is gus van sant uh he directed milk goodwill hunting I think those are kind of two of his bigger films. I know he did a lot of like shorts and stuff in the 90s, and I think that's kind of how his star rose a little bit. Um, the writer is Buck Henry. He's been around forever. He wrote The Graduate. Uh, he mm. wrote like every iteration of Get Smart. Oh, really? Every movie, every <laughs> cool. TV show. So that's kind of his baby, I guess. Interesting. We mentioned the actors. Nicole Kidman, Matt Dillon, Joaquin Phoenix, Casey Affleck, Wayne Knight, Kurtwood Smith is in this. If you don't know who that is, he's the dad in that 70s show. Yep, he's, he's so good. Oh, he's great. He's great. I mean, he doesn't have a big role in this movie. But, no, no. You know, I, just, I, I mean, as a human, as an actor, I really like that guy. Yeah, did an excellent job in this. The budget was $20 million. It grossed $21.2 million, Made its money back. Um, the tagline, which I haven't been reading, and I, I, I forgot oh, yeah. about that. Yeah, give me a tagline. Uh, the tagline is... All she wanted was a little attention. Ooh. Ooh. All she wanted was a little attention. In a world. <laughs> um, That's good. That's a good tagline. Yeah. The fun fact about this movie, um, there's a novel called To Die For, on which the movie is based. Suzanne Stone Moretto, who is the lead character in the film and in the book, states on page 307 that she would like to see that actress who just got married to Tom Cruise in real life play her in a movie about this. Mm. And that actually refers to Nicole Kidman, who ended up playing her in the film. Perfect. Yeah, this is based on a true story, right? A real murder. It's based on a true story, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And I, there was somebody ahead of Nicole Kidman, but I can't remember. Oh, it was Meg Ryan. Oh, they Gus offered Vincent it to her? Meg Ryan. Interesting. Yeah. But Meg Ryan turned it down. Yeah, I uh, Nicole Kidman really, and as I was reading, made a name for herself with this movie, and I was I was glad that she got it because uh, she's I think she's perfect for it. Oh yeah, she has. I've never seen her do something like this. We were talking the other night, and I said, "Man, mm. she's a mature actor." Yeah. And and, and this is ninety five. This is a long time ago, and she's young, and she does a great job. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's um she I think she tends to stick to one type of character, but this is definitely outside of anything I've seen her do before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the film. Uh, the first thing that I noticed in the credit sequence was um, Danny Elfman's score. Yeah, me too. That was unique too. I, yes. I had no idea that was coming and I was listening to it and then I, I turned up to my wife and I was like, that sounds like Danny Elfman. Totally. And then, being and then, Danny Elfman, and then it is Danny Elfman. Which is great. <laughs> I think he's one of the greatest composers yeah. of our time. You feel like you're watching a Tim Burton movie <laughs> uh, and you kind of are a little bit. Yeah. Um, but... Definitely nice little Danny Elfman touches there. Yeah, it definitely gets you into the mood that the film kind of yeah. takes on. I have a little bit of an issue with the, the sound, not the soundtrack, not the score, but the, the different like tones of this film. It kind of jumps around a lot. There's a lot of like metal music in the opening Yeah, and throughout the movie, which I understandably relates to some of the characters, but it's kind of disorienting. But when you hear the score, it's mm -hmm. undeniably, oh, yeah. el undeniably Elfman. A little bit mysterious. 
Um, so this first act opens with Suzanne Stone, who is played by Nicole Kidman, giving a monologue straight to the camera about her marriage that ends in murder. Um, and this act ends. Spoiler with, alert! <laughs> hey, we're, we're here. We're in the business of spoiling. Oh yeah, we're in the business right. of spoiling. Uh, this act ends with Larry and Suzanne, um, who is, is Suzanne's husband, going on their honeymoon, and she comes home late one night. Yes. Um, so well, you know what? I really like it when our act one and two and three beginning and endings match up together. Oh, you took notes too. I did. Oh, nice. I was like, I need to have a. I need to write out what I think. What I think is the end of each act. Yeah. And 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 that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great script. I think it's pretty hard to miss these first act, second act breakdowns. Yeah. Um, but this first scene where she's giving the interview. Uh, we also get an interview from Larry's sister. Her name is Janice Moretto. Yeah, she's so um, great, too. Yeah, I, I can't remember her name, but they're on an ice skating rink, and I, I was getting major I, Tanya vibes. Major I, Tanya vibes. Like, I mean, this came out way before Oh, it. yeah, 23 years before it, 22 years before it. Ileana Douglas is her name. Yeah, she was um, excellent in this film. Yeah, I, I just... And, and, and it, you, you would think it's an I, Tanya vibe because she's ice skating, but mm -hmm. it's also just the feel of it, that interview yeah. style. I think I, Tanya had to have been maybe oh, inspired a little bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and actually, sure. a note we'll talk about at the end is a lot of female lead movies were came, like, came out of this from Nicole Kidman's performance. Mm -hmm. A lot of actresses really like latched onto that and wanted to do movies like it. So this movie... For good or for bad, inspired a lot of other movies. But yeah, total Itanya vibes. Little Margot Robbie's watching it. Like, I'm yeah, <laughs> that'll be me one day. <laughs> Margot Robbie was like three when this she movie was like came in out. the womb because <laughs> she's literally like 27 <laughs> right now, I think. She's super young. Uh, really excited for Mary Queen of Scots, by oh, the man. way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th these monologues are very effective, I think. And they come in throughout the movie, different characters give different. Uh, viewpoints of the same thing that's occurring um, and we'll see at the end of this movie that this monologue that Janice is giving is actually something special um, and I think it's pretty cool in the way that you don't really know the context in the beginning but then it starts to become more and more clear and in the end it's like this is what this is from and I thought that was really mm. cool I thought it was handled very well yeah um, but we'll obviously talk about yeah, yeah we'll get there yeah that later on um, it's clear that Janice doesn't really like um, Suzanne, and this is these interviews are after the murder, obviously. But you know the scenes that they show us that they kind of intercut um, uh, Janice meeting Suzanne makes it really clear that you know she kind of hates her. They're very different people. Mm -hmm. uh, Su Suzanne is uh, pretty much the complete opposite of, of Janice. Yeah. Nicole Kidman is the complete opposite of of this character, and so yeah. and she's the sister, and she doesn't like the girl who's into her brother yeah she she keeps trying to get him to go out with anybody else she's like what about becky yeah. you know what about yeah 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 you know whoever yeah um but you know speaking to your point about them being completely different um larry always brings up how sweet and pure and delicate nicole kidman's character is um and how she's like a china doll yes those are things that he says to his parents to his family and they don't i don't know this was, was interesting there's a I realize we're not going beat by beat anymore, and and that's overall I think it's a good thing. But to give you an idea of like this act, she meets uh, Larry Matt Dillon. Larry's mm -hmm. his name, right? Yeah, yeah, Larry. And he becomes obsessed with her, but they don't. They actually haven't really met. He kind of just 
eyes her from afar and she eyes him from afar. Yeah. And they end up getting married relatively quickly, but it it doesn't really matter. I, I the whole movie after he dies, I kind of was thinking, why did she marry him in the first place? Did she need stability? stability yeah, he has a restaurant. Stability, His yeah. dad owns a restaurant. He's successful. I think she was genuinely attracted to him at first. They certainly played it that way, right? Yeah. They're they're sneaking off to you know fool around and they're mm-hmm. flirting all the he time. He was in a band. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. but one of my problems with the movie is that they they set this up for you. They do it quickly, but it's there. And then she she goes off the rails like really fast. Yeah. And uh, and that's fine, but you don't see a lot. There's like one or two instances, maybe three, where you see her get turned off of her husband. Mm-hmm. But to me, it wasn't enough. It's like they built up this relationship, and then all of a sudden, she's just out. And maybe that's the point, right? Is that yeah. she's kind of a nut. psychopath? She's kind of nuts. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think that's. I mean, we'll obviously get into some more story points later on. Yeah, but I think that's clearly what the film is relying on is that she has something, you know, bats bats <laughs> in the cave missing. going going crazy. <laughs> um, so one thing that I really did like from this first act was Gus Van Sant and uh, you know his principal photography were um, really smart in the way that they use the camera I think especially during this kind of Mari Povich scene they had where they mm-hmm. had both families on after the murder and there were all these cuts in between what was happening on the television show into the events of real life Yeah, and it's hard to explain but it kind of did a wipe across the screen and it would it would go from television graininess to real life event and I thought that was really cool. Yeah I liked it too how they would uh, intercut those scenes and it would look like the family was reacting mm-hmm. to what was going because they were right. They're telling the story of what happened, mm-hmm. but they would show something that Nicole Kidman did, and then it would cut to her dad with his like ha- head resting on his hand, sort of thinking about that or something. And it, it just it made it flow really well. Yeah, I thought. And I also like this scene because this was when you know the kind of courtroom spectacle and. Um, you know, after event kind of fascination became really big. Yeah. I think OJ Simpson happened a little bit before this, right? I don't remember when that happened. Early 90s? Early 90s, yeah. So putting both families on a stage in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people to talk about <laughs> Larry and and Suzanne, I don't know. I just I thought that was a really kind of astute observation of kind of how the culture was shifting yeah i agree it was actually the same year it was 95 oh really which is really interesting yeah Yeah. so you know i thought that was good foresight good foresight on their part yeah um so we can get into act two now um larry and suzanne buy a home together through a dinner party for their families and then this ends um again spoilers with a character we haven't named yet and uh, killing larry's husband that suzanne basically hires or convinces to kill her husband um, this is when we're introduced to a few extra characters, yeah. uh, Lydia, um, Lydia, Jimmy, Jimmy, and Russell. And Jimmy is played by Joaquin Phoenix. Russell is played by um, Casey, Casey Affleck. Affleck. Yep. Lydia, I can't remember her actress, unfortunately. Allison Foland. Yeah, I Folland. don't. Fo- I'm not familiar with her filmography. I'm not. I don't know if she's done a ton more than this. I don't know if she's still working or not, but she's, yeah. she's good. Yep, yep. Um, so I think... One of the things this movie did well was it didn't really like push these kids to get involved with Suzanne too quickly. It happens very organically 
pretty slowly. So Lydia is the first character that really kind of latches on to Suzanne. So for more context, these three characters are high school students, and Suzanne is doing a piece for a local news station. She gets hired on at a... Yeah, she... There's a funny sequence where she goes and tries to get a job at a local news station, and mm-hmm. she's way overqualified. I mean, she hasn't had TV experience, but yeah. she goes in and presents herself um, <laughs> ready to get a job, ready to do anything. Mm-hmm. As we learn at the end of Act One, this man tells her uh, a story about a woman who was ready to do anything sexual acts. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my special <laughs> voice for uh, sensitive anything things. Anything lewd. Um, so this guy, she's in, she's on her honeymoon, and she meets this man. She she walks past a TV conference and meets this guy who is speaking there, and she really wants to be on TV. And he says, "Well, you know, the secret to being on TV is this woman basically got a job by doing sexual favors for people and whatever." So he then asks her, "Are you prepared to do it?" you need to to get on TV and they allude to the fact that she does it with this man that she yeah. cheats on her husband on their honeymoon. That's why she so comes home late. That, yeah. Right. That's the first signal of like something's off here. Mm-hmm. So she helps this man in that way, I guess <laughs> we could say. Um, anyway, she goes to this TV station, this local crappy like channel 11. That Wayne Knight works out. Yes. That Wayne Knight, who is uh, Newman. If you're not mm-hmm. familiar with Wayne Knight from Seinfeld, she goes and she interviews and she's prepared to essentially do what she needs to do. She and has a letter for him, which I think was yeah. a note saying, yes, this uh, is what I will do for you if you do for me. A, a false letter written by a fake man saying that she's the best because she does this. So yeah. it turns out Nicole Kidman writes the letter to, to make him believe. And she doesn't have to use it, thank God. Mm-hmm. But um, she gets hired on and she comes to this guy with all these ideas. And this guy's like, lady... I need you to run and get my coffee and like make sure the office is clean. And she starts to work there and kind of takes over and starts not running the station, but like she becomes the weather person. She wants, she has all these ideas back to your original point. She's making a very (laughs) uh, generic documentary called teens speak out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's how she meets Joaquin Phoenix and Casey Affleck. Yeah. It's kind of an insider look at, I guess yeah. how teens are. Yeah, like a high school, yeah, camera in the classroom type of a deal. Yeah, and she she basically she she meets all of them in the classroom. Essentially, she goes to I guess encourage them to sign up for the documentary. Yeah, and the only people that sign up are Jimmy Russell and Lydia. Um, and so she after she gets the job at the news station, she becomes a weather woman, um, and she starts you know doing her thing. Um, and that's when Jimmy Emmett becomes infatuated with Suzanne. And there's actually a really funny line: um, ear, ear, you know, ear, uh, ear protective devices if you're around kids. But he says, "Anytime it rains or snows, I have to jack off." No, well, Mark, <laughs> can we please mark that? <laughs> can you put that in as our stinger of yeah. just your voice? Of course, of course. <laughs> um, but that's a line that he says in the movie. So he's obviously associating. Yes. The weather her. with Suzanne. And then there's sexuality. a scene where he's watching her deliver the weather report. Yeah. And yeah. He's, and, he's, he's and, and you can tell that not everything is right with Jimmy. No, Jimmy Jimmy needs something in his life and he latches onto her. Yeah. Well, also, he's just messed up in, in the brain. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah. And, and jo- Joaquin Phoenix is kind of the the star of this film, I think. I think he does an excellent job in this role. Yeah. Personally. It's a really good point. Um, He's he's certainly a main factor and a, a, st- a star of the movie, which 
I don't know if it was really advertised that way. He was not a star at the time. Oh, no, not at he all. He was 20, uh, I think he, he was 21. Yeah, he was really young. Uh, when this movie was made, and um, he turns out to be a huge factor, but he's, he's very sensitive, quiet, uh, compared to his best friend, played by Casey Affleck, who yeah. is this ridiculously over-the-top, you know, gets in trouble all the time, talking about girls in very lewd ways and the mm-hmm. things he wants to do and to them and blah, blah, blah. But he's very, Joaquin's sensitive. Joaquin is sensitive. And he latches on to the, the beautiful Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Um, so she follows them around to see how they live. And we, we start to get a picture of these kids that they're kind of outcasts um, at their school and in their lives. Their, their parents are abusive, especially Casey Affleck's dad. I don't know what they were doing, but they were in like shallow waters on the beach with buckets. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I, I think they're getting like clams oysters okay. uh there it this takes place some in, um, some fishermen pl- takes place in New a Hampshire. town called little hope which yeah. is funny <laughs> yeah uh and yeah i think they're like clamming is that a, is that a verb yeah clamming <laughs> let's make yeah. it right now let's, let's clam let's clam dude let's clam all day <laughs> um so his dad you know hits him and you know pushes him in the water tells him to get up and do his job so we start to learn that these kids, they need something, like you said, about walking. They're kind of missing, um, I don't know, an adult figure in their lives that yeah. is supportive and, and friendly to them. Um, we go to a pool party. Um, we learn that Larry wants kids. Yes. And we, we learn that, you know, Suzanne hasn't necessarily been attracted to Larry for a while. He's getting love handles. She says this to his mom. Yeah. He's really not. Uh, but Nicole Kidman yeah. is like obsessed with her body. She's yeah. terrified that she's not thin. Uh, mm-hmm. and the, the Larry lifts up a baby and says, Hey babe, you want one of these? Yeah. And she's like, no, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she's very honest. And, and she kind of does it as if she's joking, but you can mm-hmm. tell she's dead serious, especially mm-hmm. when his mom comes to talk to her. Um, she's like grossed out by kids. She doesn't want to touch them or yeah. hold them. Well, she's also grossed out by the female body. Yes. When they have kids. So her yes. mom or, uh, Larry's mom comes by and says, Hey, He'd be a great dad. And she says, oh, I don't want to deal with that. The pregnant belly, your, your boobs your are up boobs. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's disgusting is what she says. Yeah. And then she's like, um, you know, if I have a child, I can't go last minute to Africa and cover whatever's <laughs> oh, yes. happening there, the genocide, and I can't go wherever. Like, Yeah, and this is all, again, the beginnings of this delusion that she is of some import. Yeah. She's, she works at a cable news station doing the weather, a local yeah. It's not even cable. It's local news. She's nowhere close. She's not special at all. Right. And but so you think she is. She's like, well, if I got pregnant, you're right. I couldn't go to Africa and cover a last minute, you know, genocide or whatever. And you're just, mm-hmm. you're sitting there going, and she's beautiful. She looks different than everyone at the party. She's like mm-hmm. decked out in her finest, you know. Regalia. Yeah. Like business suit, basically. Like a skirt. It's like a hot pink suit. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's obviously a little bit delusional. Well, very delusional. But yeah. this is just the beginning. Just the beginning. So Larry ends up uh, pitching her an idea to like take over the restaurant, basically. Um, and I can't remember what he offers her specifically at the restaurant. It's like something with the camera. He wants her to do something with the camera. Yeah, he wants her to come in and, and like help out with uh, like not even anything crazy, like uh, running like a karaoke night and running yeah. like trivia, like kind of trying to give her skills an outlet, but. Uh-huh. I don't know if it has much to do with the news. No, she definitely takes that as an insult. Yeah, she's not into that. And she says, no, um, you know, and then he kind of jabs at her a little bit, so she's not going to succeed in her job, and that's why he's offering it to her. Mm. He's saying, 
come work with me because this thing probably isn't going to work out. So you need a fallback. Right. And that, I think that's kind of the, the final spark, hmm. the tipping point she needed because the thing that's great about this movie is kind of in a Tim Burton way, they play a lot with time and light. Yep. And so when he leaves, she goes back into the house and she kind of just turns and the day shifts. And yeah. I don't know. It was very cool looking. There's a lot of weird artistic touches to this movie, which are, are really cool, but led to my some of my notes at the end about it, there being a lot of different tones in this movie. Like it changes. Yeah. There's these on camera, these personal interviews, these one-on-one documentary style interviews. And then it goes to these interesting camera work, light shadow or, or time, like you said, slows down or there's like, which is really, really cool. But there's just a lot of, I never, they didn't stick with one style. Gus yeah. Van Sant kind of hops around a little bit. And that's one thing I didn't like. I wish it was like a clear cut style. And he kind of, did a lot of different things. But anyway, mm-hmm. you see into her mind here that she she's not into that at all. Yeah. Um, Lydia, who's one of the teenagers, opens up to Suzanne about her past and how she was sexually abused and threatened to kill. I can't remember who was abusing her. I think it was a family member, right? Yeah, I think it was like her uncle. Yeah. Um, and so sh- Suzanne learns that she has a gun at this point. Um, and so there's about a 20-minute chunk here where it's Suzanne convincing jimmy and lydia more so than russell russell kind of gets brought in by jimmy um to commit this murder and to kill her husband yeah um and she sexually advances on jimmy they end up having sex and he just becomes totally infatuated with her yeah he thinks they're they're in love Mm -hmm. he's in love with her he worships her yeah yeah and something that we haven't mentioned is that these interviews are still present in the movie and jimmy gets his own monologue that's that's throughout the movie and he's in a penitentiary basically correct um, and it's just him talking about their relationship throughout this. Um, so how they end up doing this is they break into the house while Suzanne is at work. Um, Larry's alone at home. He's going to take the dog out. And, and, you know, they did that kind of classic, like, countdown thing. Like, uh, Suzanne says, like, it's five, four, three, two, one to, like, something big. I can't remember what it is exactly. Like when she's doing the weather report, you mean? Yeah. And yeah. it's cutting back and forth between the weather report and the house. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Russell. I, I think it's even their, um, it's like their anniversary or something. She addresses her husband on the air. Yeah. She's like, he's watching from home like, good night, sweetheart. It's yeah. kind of cheesy. And then he gets murdered. But And there's a glow in her eye. Like, yes. I think they did that very well. They put like some sort of halo light like in the yeah. background of wherever they're shooting and it lights up her eyes. Um, so Russell and Jimmy end up shooting Larry and that's the end of the second act. Um, the third act opens up with um, Suzanne willingly kind of giving a uh, story to the reporters. There's all these camera flashes, and she gets infatuated and just kind of goes outside with her dog in her arms. Yeah, interesting moment, right? She's yeah. Everyone gets back to her house because that's the, the crime scene. Her parents are there. She's there, and she starts to... She hasn't been crying at all. Mm-hmm. No attempt to really look sad. No. And she's has her dog, and she's walking towards the front door. And this guy stops her and says, "You don't have to go out there." And she just brushes past him. She wants to go out there really bad. Yeah. And she, the sound kind of mutes. Yeah. He's like, "You don't have to go out there." <laughs> yeah. The, it mutes, and then can like you do that again. You don't have to go out. There. <laughs> and then uh, there's kind of all you can hear are like camera flashes, basically, yeah. and music. Yeah. She wants the attention. Um, the issue with this is that Jimmy and Russell left behind a lot of clues. The detectives are onto them. They get to them right away. They, they figure it out so fast. Yeah, they yes. blow it all apart. Um, but Suzanne plays it in a way where she 
basically gets away for the time being, at least. Yeah, she sort of pre like obviously premeditated this murder, and mm -hmm. she made it so they couldn't necessarily tie it to her. They could tie it to her, but they couldn't pin it on her. They she yeah. she never asked for a gun. She made sure that Jimmy did all that stuff. Walking mm -hmm. Phoenix like sort of implicated himself, and she she made sure that she couldn't. She could certainly be traced, right? You can yep. make make the assumption, but there's nothing that legally would tie her to the murder. Yeah, and they end up making Lydia a mole. They go to the mall yes. and they try to get a like. She wears a mic underneath yeah. her clothes and doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't end up working because Suzanne is like, she knows what she did, but she makes herself believe the story that she wasn't really involved, you know. And she kind of threatens her too. She's like, "You didn't, like, you were the one that asked Jimmy yeah. for the gun. You, you did really, all this stuff. You really see the her true side at this point. She's like." all out well at least privately with these kids because mm -hmm. these kids were all involved and she kind of goes off on lydia at the mall in this like in the bathroom or in a hallway somewhere and talks about how she's fat and she's a lesbian she has feeling you know she's mm -hmm. obviously repressed sexual feelings for nicole kidman yeah and sort of really dominates her and makes her cry and then mm -hmm. she's like oh i'm so sorry and she she's very controlling yeah the way she turns on these kids immediately after yes. the murder is just so cold. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, because they're they don't they're like showing up at her house. They're idiots. Yeah. They have no idea, and Ugh. yeah, it's disgusting, sad. disgusting. But in the end, Suzanne gets hers. Um, Larry's family seems like they might loosely be connected to the mob in some way. Yeah, and they end up putting a hit out on Suzanne. They get a guy to kind of take her away and bury her under the ice in new hampshire i didn't expect that did no. you did you know that was coming no not at all i so yeah the way the movie ends is that larry's family puts a hit out on her and and gets her killed yeah and i thought i was assuming she would just get away with it yeah I, I, at this point i didn't know it was based on a true story yeah and yeah this guy wants to meet her tells her he's in the tv industry and i thought it was going to be her like doing another climbing the ladder like mm -hmm. sexually with someone like some creepo leading her off under a bridge to have sex with her or something yeah yeah and then and then she just she gets died and he puts her in a frozen river she gets died she get, did i say that <laughs> she gets killed and he puts she her in the, in the river and she she freezes under the under the under the, under the ice and this kind of uh poetic denouement is um uh, Janice, Larry's sister, kind of ice skating on the ice, which yeah, I thought great. was a nice touch. Yeah, her final interview. Initially, she's in a skating rink, and then at the end, she's outside, and she skates away on this frozen river mm -hmm. where, where she's dead underneath the ice. And it shows her body at mm -hmm. one point, not not being skated upon. Yeah, but uh, under the ice, it's a pretty cool picture, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the the other poetic piece of of this is that Lydia as you wrote in your notes and me too, mm -hmm. she's the one who kind of becomes famous at the end yeah. of the movie. It's an interview with this girl, this high schooler who is the most obscure of the three. Yeah. Well, maybe Casey Affleck is, but she's very independent and alone. And, um, Nicole Kidman basically told her at one point, like that this is not about you. You will never be famous. Yeah. And the girl kind of believed that, you know, she, the whole reason she wanted to help Nicole Kidman out is because she thought it would be cool just to be on TV for anything. Kind of like Nicole Kidman. Mm hmm. Um, not as crazy as Nicole Kidman at all. But at the end, there's a great interview with her, and she's like, it's funny that I'm the one who's going to be famous because she's getting calls from talk shows, and she's she's not going to jail. She didn't really do anything. She was just kind of there. She just gave them the gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but she, she's like, I think she says uh, at the end, what does she say? 
Um, I don't have that. The, the, like she basically Nicole Nicole Kidman would die if she find out found out that Lydia was the one who's going to be famous from all this. Yeah, and then yeah. she does die. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah, great ending to the film. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, since you're already on a roll here, why don't you go ahead and give me your final thoughts on To Die For? I like this movie overall. I think it's a strange movie all around. Uh, I told you there's a lot of various, a lot of various, that's redundant. There's various <laughs> tones and directorial styles throughout the movie. And I do wish Van Sant had maybe stuck to one. It seems like, you know, uh, I don't know, he was younger at this time and sort of experimenting with different things. Like I said, there's this awkward use of metal music at various moments. It's very, like, jarring. And then there's weird artistic choices for camera work like uh there's one point where she sees um she sees her husband and like a like a like tunnel vision that's yeah. like the, the straw that broke the camel's back so really cool like camera tricks and and styles but i don't know they were just he hopped around a lot um that that's kind of it like i thought it was great i thought nicole kidman was amazing she inspired a lot of women reese witherspoon with election very similar character um, Charlize Theron in a movie that she did that I'd totally forgotten that I'm blanking. Theron? Is that how you say it? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, young Adult and then uh, Rosamund Pike used her for Gone Girl which is sort of similar but I don't know. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of, I think she really like made a name for herself with the movie. It's definitely worth a watch. It's not a bad movie at all. It's good. I can't stand the 90s, the mauve. Every, every house they have is pink carpet. And that has nothing to do with the movie. It just made me want to like just redecorate it. It's just horrible. Floral prints everywhere, pink carpet everywhere. So that annoyed me. But Sounds rad. that's not what we're here to review. <laughs> I'm done. Tell me how, what you thought about it. Yeah, I um I actually really enjoyed that Gus Van Sant did a lot of different things. Cool. Um, I didn't hate that he used metal music. I thought that let you know the world that you were getting into at that time. You were meeting the teenagers. So I, I don't know. I, I wasn't at odds with it. I thought the performances from top to bottom were all stellar. I don't think there's a weak link at all in this movie. Um, the script is great. It's very tight, um, but it does keep some things from you. So at the end, there is a little bit of a surprise, um, even though it's based on a true story and you know you could have heard these things beforehand. I was definitely surprised by some things at the end. Um, a lot of the camera work was amazing, as you mentioned. I actually had that written down, but didn't talk about it. it was the scene where um, you know he's telling Larry's telling Suzanne that. They need to work. She needs to work in the at the Italian restaurant, and her job isn't going to go anywhere. We start to see this black kind of um, vignette kind of focus in on him, and his voice kind of goes away. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was really cool. And it's yeah. almost like she he, looking at him through like a scope, like the barrel of a gun. Yeah, it's not meant to be that way, but it, yeah. you could make that argument of like it was just her like tuning him out. Like yeah, I can't even listen to this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, it, I think it's an excellent movie. It, there's a lot of things we didn't touch on, a lot of small things that are very clever. I think, um, especially the way the interviews are kind of woven in throughout the movie. Um, you know, overall, I would recommend this. I would think I think that you need to watch it. It's something that again I had never heard of before we did research for this, and I'm sad that I didn't because. Um, it's a great movie that I think that I missed, and I'm glad that I got the opportunity to watch it now. Yeah, and I, one more note for me that I just remembered. I would have really liked to see, script-wise, why she needs to be on TV so bad. They reference it once when she's at, it shows a home video of her as a kid seeing herself mm-hmm. on TV. Sort of that weird like mirror thing that, it, like if you're being filmed and you're on a screen... Mm-hmm. It like goes into infinity, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. if you see yourself in two mirrors. 
And uh, she's fixated, but she's a baby. I mean, her dad is like, oh, look at you on the screen. And there's not a lot of other things that lead us to know why she ne- she has to be famous. She, she does say that most people don't know what they want to be until they're older. And I knew right she away knew right what away. I wanted to be. Okay, well, that, okay, cool. So I, I just wanted maybe a touch more, maybe a few incidents in her life that gave her that desire. Maybe some backstory that was sad, something happened to her. I mean, I realize this is based on a true story, but mm-hmm. it's fine. It's not enough to... To, to complain about. I just wanted maybe a touch more. Other than that, it's good. Really cool. good. Cool. You recommend it? I recommend it. Yeah, you should watch it. Excellent. Excellent. So that was our uh, talk of To Die For. Again, go see it. Recommended by both of us right now, though. We're going to get into our game show. The draft game. The draft game. <laughs> the draft game. Uh, this week is going to be Best Joaquin. We're both big Joaquin fans. Yeah. Um, we I'm surprised can... you didn't do Best Kidman, but he is also an important figure <laughs> we'll in this. Have, we'll have time to come back to Kidman, <laughs> I think. I think we'll come across another Kidman movie or two. Yeah. Um, well, well, actually, we will, because we're doing Batman oh, Forever, and she well, is in that movie. There you go. Same year. That's our opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, our, so we record a bunch of these episodes in kind of bulk. We do. So we don't have a good idea of kind of who won what in the next couple of episodes. I think it's pretty clear that I won the very first episode <laughs> for Mallrats. Yes. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and let you go first this time so we can account for that. Okay. So this is Best Joaquin Movies. Best Joaquin Movies. You're first. I appreciate you letting me go first. Of course. You know I'm going to pick The Master. Okay. All right. I think that's a good choice. Uh, it's, I think it's widely regarded as his best film, at least on the list that I came up with. So, all right, go solid. for it. Now you solid. get two, though, right? Now I get two. Now I get two, and this is where it gets hard because there's a lot of subjectivity and the way that you kind of look at his movies. But I'm gonna go ahead and just go with what I like personally. I'm gonna take her. I thought you would. In spot two, and then I think three. I'm gonna go ahead and take you were never really here. Ooh, I really, really like that movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Saw it in theaters. It was beautiful. I thought about that, and uh, it's such a tight, quick movie, Mm -hmm. and he's certainly the main character, but it's just like real quiet performance. There's not a ton of, so I didn't pick it, but I but it's so good. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. There's just kind of this unhinged psychopath underneath the skin in that movie that I just love, and just the Lynn Ramsey I think directed it. She's freaking amazing. Yeah. Okay, my turn. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Two in a row. It, it it's it's funny because it gets hard after this. Everyone mm-hmm. loves Joaquin so much, but these movies, none of them. Now I love I love these movies. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't. So it's I'm, easy to miss some of this stuff. I know. I don't think I know what you're saying. It's easy to miss, but there's all. It's also like movies that might not be. It's like they're not the master. You know what I mean? Or yeah. her. They're they're not as artistic. But uh, they don't have Philip Seymour Hoffman carrying the load. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So I I really. Don't know what to pick here, so I'm just gonna have to go. I, I, I'm gonna go with uh, the village. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that was out of left field. Because, <laughs> uh, but, but see, I'm the one guy who loves that movie. I love the village. Yeah, he's so you good. You do love the village. I really do. I've always loved that movie, and I know that's the thing is I know there's other films, um, and so maybe the next one. I think you're not going to agree with either, but I'm going to go walk the line. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. Okay. That's because... the one that I would have picked. Okay. Next. Well, at least I got them both in there. And I, I front-loaded with the master, so maybe I'll be okay. 
Yeah, that might carry some weight. Yeah. Um, so, so this is definitely where it gets hard. Because there's a very, very recent film, as in like a month ago, that came out that is spectacular, but I don't know if anyone's seen. And then a PTA movie that came out a few years ago that is uh, not necessarily yeah. great. It's not that one. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and go with my gut and go with the Sisters Brothers. Mm. See, yeah, I, I didn't do that either because I thought... See, I thought, now that we've all voted, we're done, I thought maybe Gladiator would be up there. Yeah, he has such a small role in Gladiator, though, doesn't he? No, he's the he's the main he's the villain. He's the bad guy. I mean, he's the evil. Oh, he is. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was um. Oh, I thought it was what's his face. No, he kills remember. he kills his father. He tries yeah. to kill. He kills Maximus' mm. family. Like he's an man. Evil I dude. haven't seen Gladiator since two thousand and three. Uh, it's old, but it was his first like big yeah big movie, and mm. no one really knew. It wasn't Joaquin Phoenix at the time, and it was, but no one knew who the who the guy was. And then I never saw We Own the Night, but I heard it's really good. I haven't seen that either. So maybe I, we missed out here. I don't know, I made man. Some bad picks here, Gabe. Who knows? No, I think I, I I'm fine with my picks, but it was like, oh, Walk the Line, Gladiator, We Own the Night, The Village. They're all kind of the same amount of Joaquin, mm-hmm. and you just have to pick what you like. Any amount of Joaquin is a great is, amount is of good Joaquin. for us. I'm excited for the Joker. I hope it's not ruined. Yeah, I hope it's good. The- Filmed it in a lot of subway spots here in New York. Pretty cool. Yeah, I hope it's good. So that's going to be it for us today. Um, just some closing notes here. We want to thank The Natural Anthem for The Natural Anthem. Thanks, uh, they're boys. Just, they're just called Natural Anthem, not The Natural Anthem, yeah. for the use of uh, music today. You can find them at naturalanthem.net. It has links to all their social stuff. Um, our social media, you can find us at Rewind Cinema Pod on Facebook and Twitter, or you can email us at Rewind Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Gabe pulled out our voicemail from the uh, grave and dusted it off a little bit. It's 908 768 2636. If you want to be like Dan and get your voice on the air, go ahead and give us a call there. Um, we're also part of a network called the ACPN. You can check out some great shows like Childhood Remastered, Retro Cinema, Adventure Club. There's oh, a bunch yeah. of other shows on there. Yeah. Um, and they're all sort out. of in the same vein as us. They kind of all take a look back at nostalgia-esque yeah. things. So check them out if you like to talk about movies from the 80s, mm-hmm. 90s. Cartoons. And we all do. And we all do. And we all, we all do. do. Yeah. We all do. Next week, Gabe, we're going to talk about Judge Dredd, Ooh. a Sylvester Stallone classic. Save it for next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty of lines to quote from that movie. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for hosting the, this week, Matt. Really, you, you really showed up. Oh, um, yeah. You did a great job. In my dark apartment. Yeah, in his dark apartment. It's actually more light now. I don't it know it's a nice, crisp, early winter day. Yeah. And until next week, Matt. Watch more movies. Yeah, and then and then she just she gets died.